very, uh, I'm very honored to be here this evening. I've been looking forward to it since you called. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me, if you would, to John chapter number 6. And uh, as we get situated here, uh, share, it's been good to be here and see some familiar faces. And it's been a while, and I know some of you are probably familiar with my dad more than me, Brother Jim Wagahoff, pastor of Blessed Hope Baptist Church in Raymond, or he was, he's retired now. And our youngest brother, John, has taken over. He's the pastor now. And uh, uh, so we're all doing good. And we got their ladies retreat coming up. And we have every year, or we had every year, we're starting to get that back up and going again. So uh, uh, pray for that if you would. And I don't know if you got information on that. If not, I'm sure you will be getting something in the mail. And uh, so pray for that if you would. And I feel a little out of place and lost tonight because normally my wife is with me and uh, she's on a trip for a few days. So I've been at home by myself and I don't know how to cook. If I look unmashed, if I got stuff on me, I apologize if I just look. And I am a little nervous because I usually rely on her to help calm me down. So just pray for me. I, I feel like God has laid upon my heart, and uh, I don't claim to be no great preacher. And you guys just came out of revival with Brother Steve Hart, so I'm going to be a little bit of a disappointment because I know Brother Steve Hart. He's been a friend of mine. I've known him for years, and that man is just he's one of my spiritual heroes. If I were to make a list of top ten or top five guys, that I admire, and he'd be one of them in the top five. So he's, he's a good man, so just pray for him. And then, again, um, my wife, we've got, uh, just to reintroduce myself again here, to those who may not know me, my wife and I, we've got two boys, Austin and his wife, uh, and we've got three grandkids. Well, we've got two grandkids. We've got uh, a foster grandkid that's probably going to come up for adoption and working that way, so that would be a number three. And then my youngest son, Caleb, and his wife just found out they're having a baby. So in September, so we're excited about that. So pray for all that, if you would. And um, and uh, so they've been married just a little over a year, and, and they decided, you know, he's got a good job, and they thought, well, I'm not going to wait. They So uh, they came the other day and gave us a little gift, and inside the gift, they had a little thing that said about being a grandpa again, and, and I started crying. I said, are you serious? You know, and, um, and our, our oldest son, Dad, adopted two kids, and so uh, the grand, grandparents there, and I love it. Everybody always said becoming a grandparent's something that's, uh, it's nothing like it, and I do. I love it. Our grand, my granddaughter, she's uh, seven years old, and they, we watch them once in a while overnight, and without saying anything to her, I'll get up in the morning, I'll sit in my chair, and I'll cover up, and she comes out with her cover and lays in my lap and cuddles up with me. I love it. Absolutely love it, and I am so thankful. Just pray for everything we're doing. Today. And my dad, as you may or may not know, he's had cancer, and with the prostate, they removed it a while back, and he's still doing good so far. There. And he's still got cancer in his body, but they're maintaining it so far. So just remember him in prayer, if you would. I sure appreciate that. So enough rambling on and on. So John chapter number 6. I'm not a long-winded preacher. Well, I say that one time, but my wife, if she was here, she'd be going, no. So if I go too long, somebody just start doing this, all right? No, really, I'm not that long. This is not a very long message, but I, I'll preach what I feel like God's laid upon my heart. John chapter number 6. I'm going to read, again, read, read, reading verse number 67. Very familiar scripture, and I always say that nothing's new under the sun. There's probably something you've heard preached before, and, uh, uh, but I just feel like this is what God has for this evening. Beginning of verse number 67, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe that thou art sure, thou, uh, thou, we are sure, are unsure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he was should betray him, being one of the twelve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
as we come before you this evening, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to be here. Lord, we're thankful for this church, the, pe the pastor and the people. Lord, pray to be the pastor as he's traveling and uh, uh, just give him the safety and be with the church people as well that take over while he's gone. Lord, we pray that you'd uh, open up hearts and minds. I say with nothing more than nothing less that you have, Lord, I'm just a mouthpiece to be used, Lord. We thank you for everything. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when I read these scriptures, I can't help but, you know, if you go to back up further, like in verses number 60 on, you see where Christ was preaching. And I can just picture what it was like to hear Christ preach. And, and, and probably with some most, you know, we talk about how great brother Steve Hart was, but Christ probably way above that. And I can just picture, imagine what it was like to hear Christ preaching. And the Bible tells us people begin to get offended and they begin to walk away. And he begins to tell, ask his question. He says to his disciples, will you also go away? And it's a great question. Now, I'm not going to preach on that tonight, but I love the answer that Peter gives to him. He says, answer him and says, to whom shall we go? He says, thou hast the words of eternal life. Where else would they go? What a great answer. Well, there's no person to go to. Christ is the answer for every little problem we have in our life. I always say we all have different issues. We all don't have the same issues, but we all have the same answer, and that's Jesus Christ. Then he goes on and says, Jesus answered him and says, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is the devil? Now, have you ever read the scripture over and over again? And you've heard the preachers preach on it. In Sunday school, you've heard people say it. And then one day, you read the same scripture over, and something just hits you a little different. And you begin to think, yeah, wait a minute. I've never looked at it that way. Well, this verse number 70, I never thought about this before until a few years ago. Christ says these words, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is the devil? Now, you've read that, I don't know how many hundreds of times. And you've heard preachers say it and read hundreds of times. But one time I got to thinking, that's a good question to ask. Why did Christ choose Judas? If I were to put a title to tonight's message, I would simply entitle it, Why Did Christ Choose Judas? Now, when we look at Judas, of course, what we think of is we think of a traitor. Now, like I said, my youngest daughter-in-law, she's pregnant right now, and they're already talking names. You know one name that never came up? Not once did they say, you know, if it's a boy, we're going to name him Judas. Why? Because when we think of Judas, of course, we think of a traitor. We think of the one who betrayed Christ. We think of somebody who's evil, who mean, one who loved money, who betrayed Christ with 30 uh, pieces of silver. That's who we think of. But you know, at one time, if we could go back in time, let's take a look at Judas before he betrayed Christ, just for a few moments. Before he betrayed Christ, first of all, I want us to notice, he was surrounded by godly men. The godliest men you can think of. Remember, the question is, why did Christ choose Judas knowing he was going to betray? Well, first thing we want to notice, he walked with Christ. This is Judas, the one. He walked with Christ. He talked with Christ. And I can't think of how humbling that must have been and how wonderful it would be to walk and, and with the Son of God, not just a Son of God, but the Son of God. How must, I must have been to talk to Christ and, to, and that peace you would have in talking to the Son of God who loves you. I can't picture what that must have been like. And you know, no doubt, uh, Judas would have saw the miracles that Christ had performed. And you know, the Bible doesn't necessarily record every single miracle. There's verses in the Bible that talks about if they would record every single miracle, the, the book wouldn't be able to contain it. So how many things did he see that's not recorded? That he saw Christ raised from the dead. He saw Christ heal people. All these things. So look at Judas, first of all. Look at who he was surrounded with. And I can't help but to think, you know, there are people who go to the right church. They hear the right pastor preach. They listen to the right Bible, everything. But you know what? They're still lost. They're on their way to hell, yet they're still not saved. And they still need to accept Christ as their Savior. 
The Bible tells us, as you're familiar with it, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Is there a time? Is there a place? If I were to ask you, could you take me to a time? Could you take me to a place where you say, it's right here where I gave my heart to Christ. It was right here where I accepted Christ as my Savior and was forgiven of my sin, and now I have a home in heaven. Is there a time? Is there a place? Now it goes on with Judas. At one time, this is hard to think about, but at one time Judas had a great reputation. Now look at the job that he had. He was the treasurer. Now they wouldn't give somebody who was a shady character a job of being a treasurer. So at one time he was trusted. They wouldn't give that position to somebody who was shady. You know, even at the Last Supper, when Christ announced and he said, someone's going to betray me. Not one person looked over and said, it's Judas. Not one person stood up and said, I knew there was something wrong with Judas. I could just tell. As a matter of fact, if you were to read in the scriptures, you'll see where they stood up and they said, is it me? They all begin to ask, is it me? Am I the one who's going to betray Christ? It wasn't even Judas on their mind whatsoever. I believe if they were to even think about it, they probably thought it would be Peter. Peter was an honorary person. Well, Peter could be an honorary person. But they see not one of the reactions was, it's Judas. I can tell there's something wrong with that guy. Why? Because at one time, Judas had a great reputation. And there I look at that, and I can't help but to think, you know, there are people today. They have a great reputation. They hold a high office. They hold positions in church. They may be a youth pastor. They may be uh, a deacon. They may hold just positions outside in the community. But you know that means absolutely nothing? That doesn't save you. Only Christ saves you. He had a great reputation, but yet that doesn't do anything for him. Let's go on. I promise I'm not going to be very long tonight, but also go on. Judas even preached. This one, really, I never really thought about this before. If you want to turn with me, if you would, or mark this down, in Mark chapter number 3, look at verses 13 through 15. The Bible says, And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth them unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained, how many? Twelve, that they should be with him, and that they might go send for them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. So think about that. The twelve, Christ ordained. We see that he, Judas was ordained, and he didn't preach. So I think in my mind, was there ever a time in Judas' life while he was on earth, where he was pushing people toward Christ as he was in there because he was ordained to do such? And the Bible tells you he had the power to heal. And I can't help but to think about this. You know, how many preachers do you know of? They stand behind pulpits all across the world today. They're preaching, but yet they themselves are not even saved. I can think of a young a preacher. I say he's young now. He's an older gentleman now. <coughs> that was a pastor of a church. Somebody I know personally. He was a pastor of a church for years, and he'd stand behind the pulpit and preach. He'd stand behind the pulpit, everything, write everything. Then one Sunday morning, so I understand his testimony is, as he was preaching, he paused. He got down and got in the, floor, uh, in the front row there and he bowed his head. And he stood up and he told his congregation, he said, guess what, guys? I just got saved. A preacher just got saved. He's been a pastor for years. You know, your, your position doesn't mean anything. They're preachers. Just because somebody calls himself a preacher, just because somebody calls himself an evangelist, just because somebody does these things, doesn't mean that they're saved. It's not in your words. Do you know Christ is your personal Savior? It's uh, crazy to me to think, it kind of blows my mind to think, there's a possibility that even Judas, back in the day, back in the time, was pushing people toward Christ. Maybe there was a short time that he even preached or, and people came to Judas and said, where's Christ? 
and he's bleeding. This is before the betrayal. But yet, you look at that, there's still something wrong in his heart. There's still something wrong in his life. We even see that Judas was still called a friend by Christ. After the betrayal, the Bible tells in Matthew chapter 26, verse 50, we read where Christ says these words. He says, friend, wherefore art thou come? He calls him friend. And I don't believe Christ was being sarcastic. I don't believe he's being mean. I believe he meant it. Christ still loved Judas. That's what Christ is. He's not just a God of love. God is love. God cares. And Christ still loved Judas. He still would have saved him. If Judas right then and there would have dropped to his knees or, or even just called out with a sorrowful heart and said, Lord, forgive me, God would have still forgave him. That's what God does. That's hard for us to understand sometimes. You can think of the most heinous crime that you can think of. Think of the man or woman that commits that crime. What we want to see is them punished, and they need to be punished for it. But you know, if they called upon God and said, Lord, forgive me of my sin, God will still forgive them. <coughs> Christ will still forgive them. Because that's what God does. That's what Christ does. That's hard for us to understand. He says that no man wise cries, or, or, I'm sorry if I don't say it the right way, and wise cast out. He's not going to push anybody away that calls to him and they're serious. I'm not talking about people who mock him. But if they were serious, they called upon him and said, Lord, forgive me. He still would have forgiven him. Because that's the God that I serve. I serve a God of a second chance. I serve a God of a third chance, a fourth chance. How do I know? Because I'm probably on my 35th chance myself. Because I sin all the time. I still fight this stupid flesh. I fight everyday things. Every day, just like you, your mind, you see things, you got to turn your head, you got to say, God, help me. Lord, keep me from temptation today. Although it's not God that puts you in temptation. God's not the one who tempts you. You know, the Bible does say, let no man say when I am tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God allow you to be tried. Satan wants to tempt you. But God will never allow you to be tempted above that you're able. He'll give you a way to escape it. So when we sin, it's our fault. If I fail, it's my fault because I've still got this flesh to deal with. But Christ was still called, or Judas was still called a friend by Christ. A lot of people ask this question, and it's hard to explain. Did Judas have a choice? And the answer is yes. He did have a choice. Christ already knew what choice he was going to make. Christ already knows the future. Christ is all-knowing, so nothing takes him by surprise. You may have something coming into your life that you didn't expect. You may wake up this morning or tomorrow morning and something in your life just comes in and devastates you. And you fall on your knees before God, before Christ, and say, God, help me. God's not going to say, ooh, I didn't know that was going to happen. God said, I already knew it was going to happen, and he's here. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Being a dad and now a grandpa, when I look at my kids, my boys and then my grandkids, you know when you see them hurting, how do you feel when you see your kids hurting? It hurts you, doesn't it? When they're going through something and you're hurt, they're hurting, I don't know, but it makes me sad. I've seen my boys go through trials. I've seen them go through things, and it hurts me to see them go through it. But sometimes you just got to let it happen because that's the way it is. I look at my son, my oldest son, Austin. He uh, has the asthma real bad. And when he was little, we first found this out. He couldn't hardly breathe, and we took him to the emergency room, and they said, good thing you brought him, and they had to do all these tests on him. And, and I remember as I was sitting there, you know, he's looking at me and my, his, my wife, his mom, and they're looking at us, and they're, they're poking him, prodding him, and they're hurting him. Now, as his dad, I could have grabbed him and said to the doctor, leave my kid alone. You're hurting him, and walked out of there. But they're testing him to see, make him well. So, but temporarily, he had to go through that pain. So as his dad, 
even though it was breaking my heart, I had to let him go through that pain. That's the way God is with us sometimes. God looks at us and says, I know you're about to go through this pain, and it doesn't make God happy. I believe it breaks his heart. That's why he says, cast your care upon me, for he careth for you. You can rest in his arms to give him that peace that passes all understanding. And I thank God that that's the God that I serve. That's the God that I have. And we see here, let's notice, let's go on to the disciples. Look at the disciples after the betrayal. You know, you may know somebody. <coughs> I can think of a preacher uh, right now I can think of and, uh, that years and years ago, and you may know who I'm talking about, but many, many years ago, he got caught taking some girl across state lines, a young girl doing inappropriate things, had to spend 12 years in prison. And as a man that I at one time I admired, and I so bad want to say, what happened? I wish so bad I could get with him. They say, how did that line get crossed? Because the man would get up and preach these powerful messages against this thing. And it makes me think, you know, if he can sin, I better watch myself. I'm not going to be one of those to stand up here and say, I will never do such and such sin. Why? Because as soon as I say it out loud, Satan hears that and says, oh, yeah, let's see what happens. What I will say is this. I hope if I'm ever faced with something, I hope by the grace of God that he allows me through the grace of God that I will say no and walk away. Because I am weak as a human being. But through Christ, I can have that strength. But anyway, the disciples' reaction after the betrayal, they could have got aggravated and walked on and said, what about this man that we trusted? He trusted was a treasure. He was part of us. They could have walked away and said, forget it. But they all went on eventually for the cause of Christ. They didn't let Judas uh, stop him. So somebody in your life that you're admiring or something happens, somebody that you love, they fail, just pray for them. But don't you give up. Disciples didn't give up. We can't give up. Satan's not going to give up on attacking us. Well, we got more power than Satan ever will have because we've got God. Let God fight your battles. Just rest in his arms and let God fight the battles for you because he's already, Satan's already lost anyway. He's got hell to look forward to in whatever happens to me. And I pray, I'm selfish enough to pray, Lord, I hope I have a peaceful life and I live to be 110 years old with a bunch of grandkids and die peacefully in my sleep. I'm selfish enough to say that. I hope that's how it is. But whatever happens, I've got God on my side. I can rest with peace in God. He gives you that peace. And I thank God for that. We can't give up. We can't stop. So the question is this. What was Judas's problem? Judas was a man who loved money. What's the Bible say? You've heard it. You've read it. You've heard it preached on. The Bible tells in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, you can't serve the world and love God. The problem was, he loved, I no doubt he had an affection and love for Christ, but he loved money more. I can think of a young man right now, a relative of mine, who uh, was a good guy. He literally would give you the shirt off his back because he was like that kind of guy. But when it comes to Christian things, he would mock. And he would laugh and he would make fun of those going to church. And I remember one time we got him to come to church, and it was about in this area back here, and I was sitting back there with him, and, and I don't know if anybody remembers Brother Jack Parksman years and years ago. He got up and began to preach, I think it was him, and he began to preach on hell. And if you ever hear Brother Jack Parksman preach on hell, I don't care who you are, you're going to make sure that you're saved. And he got there preaching, and uh, my uncle, well, his, my uncle, relative, he got up there, and he began to uh, get under conviction, and then he was cursing under his breath, and he would grab that pew, and for whatever reason, in the service time came, he refused to get saved. He refused to walk the aisle. He just sat there under conviction, and he left that church. And many years ago, many years after that, 
at a young age, he had a heart attack and died. And as far as I know, he had never accepted Christ as his Savior. And if he's in hell tonight, I believe he remembers that time where he's at church. And all he would have had to do was accept. But for whatever reason, he said, no, I'm not going to go forward. No, I'm not going to accept Christ. It could have been a pride issue, whatever it was. But I don't know how I got off on that. But I just think of him once in a while and I think, what is he thinking? But the Bible tells us what we need to as children of God. We can't love the world. He, the problem is he loved the world more than he loved God. What you feed yourself the most of, you've heard this before, is what you're going to become. As a child of God, if I feed myself more world, and I listen to the world's music, I listen to the world's way of this, the world's this, I become more worldly. But if I get alone with God every day at some point, I read the Bible and I pray, and I listen to good godly music, I'm going to become more godly. And not that I'm any better, because I'm not. Believe me, I'm probably the chiefest sinner here. I'll be honest with you, if you were to compare sins, and we're not going to do that, I feel like I'm the worst one here, because I, I am. I'm a sinner. I was just saved by grace, and I thank God for that. But what you feed yourself the most of, that's what you're going to become. It has to be all God or nothing. The Bible is right. It always has been and always will be. But when you get saved, something happens. What's in your heart eventually is going to show outward. Your attitude, your walk, your talk, whatever is in your heart is going to show eventually. And it's going to be hard to hide. There are a lot of people out there who are Christians, and, and I believe they're saved. They're just struggling with some things. And I believe they think they're hiding it from the world. But you know, you can't hide it very long. It's like a pregnant woman. When she first gets pregnant, you can't tell. But over time, she begins to show. And uh, you can't hide it, but it has to be all God or nothing. You can't love the world and God. It has to be all God or all the world. What's the Bible say? If, you know, if, uh, if it was cold, not to be gross and not to be trying to be funny here. But what does God say? I'd rather you be cold or hot or I'll spew you out of my mouth. In other words, what God said with that verse is, he says, you make me sick to my stomach if you're just going to be lukewarm. You either be all out and just go on your own way, or you serve me with everything that you got. And understand, if you choose to serve God, you're going to fight every single day for everything. But it takes you getting up every day and praying and saying, Lord, I choose today to serve you. No matter what comes into my life, I choose to serve you, God. Please be with me. And we have to pray that every single day because some days are great, and some days, if you're like me, you just don't feel so great. You don't feel so wonderful. You don't feel like getting up. You don't feel like going to work. You don't feel like whatever it is you have to face that day. Another day, you get up singing and saying, praise the Lord, because salvation is not based on a feeling. I mean, I know when I got saved, I felt different, yes. But it's not based on a feeling, because we still got that flesh, as I mentioned, to fight with. So the question is this. Why did Christ choose Judas, knowing he is the devil? I believe it's just basically to show us that Satan is a counterfeit. You can't trust in anything other than Christ. There's this counterfeit for everything. There are people that will tell you all day long. How many times have you been door knocking and knock on somebody's door, and they suddenly, you can tell they're lying to you, but they're trying everything they can. Oh, I'm going to the so-and-so church. I used to live in Brighton years ago. We moved away from Raymond. I was part of a, I was in charge of an addictions program over in Brighton, and um, over there with Brother John Large, you all know him. And uh, we were over there together and working a little bit. And we go visit the door knocking every now and then. And we, I, it seemingly, this is an exaggeration, I'm sure. It seemed like I knocked on every door in that town at some point. But it seems like I heard more often, oh, we go to the such and such Baptist church at the end of town. And I told Brother John, I said, you know, if everybody went to that church, that church would have to be like 15, size of 15 blocks. Everybody decided they'd go to that church. Why? They don't want to talk to us. I've been knocking on doors before when it was a nice day. We're walking down the street, 
And there's people right here outside. They look over at us. They walk in, the door is closed. They walk into the house, and they wouldn't answer. People today are just that way. But it's not impossible still to reach them. They still need Christ. Christ is more powerful than that. But too many have lost sight of what true salvation is. It's not church membership. They'll say, I go to such and such a church. That's great. Go to church all you want to. Satan don't care if you go to church as long as you're not saved. It's not in a position that you hold. You can be the pastor. You can be assistant pastor. And by the way, my, my uh, testimony is for years, I was an assistant pastor for my dad. I was a deacon for my dad. I was a youth pastor for my dad. And the whole time, I was lost. I didn't even get saved myself until March 2003. And before then, I had served all kinds of positions in church. But I wasn't saved. It's not in baptism. They'll say, well, I got baptized as a child. Well, that's great. You got wet. I take a shower every day, but it doesn't mean I'm going to heaven. It's just not in your baptism. It's not in good works. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Seemingly, the world today has got to where those who don't go to church, who have a form of God in this, who understand just a little bit, they think it's just all about good works. If I could go to heaven by good works, why did Christ die on the cross? Why did Christ waste him time coming and die on the cross if all I had to do was just be a good person? Christ died because he took the penalty on him for his sin. All of the world's sin he placed upon him, not in him. That's two different things. And he died for your sin and for my sin. So let me just ask you tonight and encourage you. And I'm, I'm closing with this. I told you it wouldn't be too very, too very long. Is there a time and a place? I'm... That's between, I can't tell, I can't look into your heart, you can't look into my heart and know for sure that I'm saved. But is there a time and a place where you gave your heart to Christ? The Bible tells us to examine ourselves. One thing that just breaks my heart is, but it's a good thing, both of my boys made professions of faith when they were little. They went off to Bible college. Austin, my oldest son, preached at Bible college. He became a youth preacher, a pastor in Stratford, Missouri for a while. We went down there and visited. He called me one Sunday morning in tears. And I, was, I remember I was eating lunch. And he says, Dad, I guess what happened this morning? I go, what? He goes, I got saved. And my wife thought I had something wrong. I go, what? And she looked at me, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I almost started crying. I said, Austin got saved. All this time, he wasn't saved. He says, examine yourself. Are you sure that you know that you know? If something were to happen to you tomorrow, and I prayed it does not. But something were to happen to you this week, and the pastor has to stand and preach your funeral. Will he be able to do it with peace in his heart knowing they made a profession of faith? That you know that you're in heaven because we can see each other in heaven, and I'm so thankful for that. So examine yourself. Do you know that you know that there's been a time and there's been a place? Every head bowed, every eye closed.